Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Farscape Season 2, Episode 14. Beware of dog. And boy, is this a middle-of-the-road episode. Okay, I think this is a perfectly serviceable standalone episode. And for me, this episode is weak because it comes between two of my personal favorite episodes look at the princess and then next time is gonna be won't get fooled again so watching this episode i was like oh this is actually a pretty good episode i i don't normally think about this one because to be honest the puppet doesn't do it for me the puppet kind of really turns me off in this episode oh so you weren't a huge mac and me fan yeah we might have to do kind of a like reverse strange alien creatures this week but yeah the puppet doesn't work for me and it is just a standalone episode with a couple exceptions which we'll talk about but on its own i kind of was digging it this time there's nothing in this episode we haven't seen farscape do better before i mean it's not bad but not bad doesn't equal good i mean that's fair i feel like I mean, we go to this well a lot, Hmm. but I feel like John and Aaron's dynamic is just really hitting in this episode. It's just, it really is doing it for me in this episode. There were a lot of times where I just was really happy at the two of them together. Honestly, yes, they are working a lot better. I don't know if I want to say working a lot better. They're meshing better together as a couple, which I do like, but it's really not enough to carry this episode. And again, it's not bad. It's just, it's so middle of the road for Farscape. This is all stuff we've seen before. Okay, I just, I love that you're like, Farscape is better than this because I brought you onto this project because I wanted to share with you my love of Farscape. And I know you're not yet where I am. Wait, you'll get there. But I love that you're like, Farscape, you could do better. It's a generous read of what I said, I think, but okay. (laughs) This episode was directed by Tony Tilsey, mm-hmm. who we've seen a lot, and written by Naren Shankor, who also wrote The Way We Weren't, which was the Aaron Soon backstory episode. Oh, the one where we found out that she killed a dude by having sex with him? Yes. Because apparently every show we watch has a vagina of doom character. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is that... Makes those the shows I really love, but here we are. <laughs> I was going to say John better watch out, but I feel like John's died at least a couple of times, right? Or at least he's gotten wow death adjacent. To, wait, wait. Did I accidentally stumble upon something? Is John, was John a zombie the whole time? Is this, is this half-life, full-life consequences? Wow. And then John was a zombie. I... Listeners who are doing a rewatch and have already watched Farscape, just wow, right? Okay. <laughs> don't don't ruin it for Max. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Okay. Shall we begin? Yes. So, as the episode opens, John is having some sort of meltdown. Well, he's playing chess. Except against no one. Apparently. Mm. Apparently against no one. Well, he's playing space chess. No, no, uh, this is regular chess. He's made these pieces out of, 
like, spark plugs and shit. Like, he's just grabbed various things around Moya and been like, I'll just call these pawns. Oh, okay. It looked kind of like a Qbert-esque stage, the, uh, the board, so I thought it might be... Oh, yeah, and then he just set it up, like, on a checkered floor, so part of it is uh, elevated. But it's not it's not 3D chess or anything. He's just, he's making do. He's creating a chessboard where he is. And Aaron's like, wow, playing against yourself, it's not much of a challenge. And he's like, shows what you know, eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> when you're as good as I am, or as bad as I am, mm. could go either way. They're both so strong or equally weak. I just want to point out the way John is focused on games in this episode because he's trying to keep himself tethered to things with rules. I feel like this is a strong thematic thing that happens throughout this episode. So John stops his game and Aaron's like, hey, John, I'm kind of worried about your space madness. Yeah. I was going to say diminishing uh, sanity, but yeah, yeah. And uh, he kind of tries to ice her out, and she's like, hey, space madness is no excuse for space rudeness. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, in the cargo bay, Rigel is looking over all of this food that they have brought in from the planet, but discovers that Dargo and Shiana have gone back because, man, these are these are not people it's going to be healthy for you to travel with long term. They have brought, like, a crap ton of food onto Moya. Fair, you don't want Zan to start barfing out death spores again. No, no, that, okay. But then they discovered that this planet is known to have a bunch of parasites and crap. So they're like, oh, we better go back to the planet and figure out what to do about that. And then they come back with what's essentially a space gecko. For people who are not aware, sometimes, like, people who don't want to use pesticides in their homes Mm -hmm. use geckos. Like, they'll just set a gecko loose in their home because it eats bugs. And then you have to buy a little falcon to get the gecko. Yeah. And then, of course, a bobcat to get the falcon, you know, up to rhinoceros eye. So I uh, I actually tried this once when I was in college. I actually tried bringing in a gecko for pest control purposes. Mm-hmm. And we let it loose in the house. And I never saw it again. I think it probably just left the house. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, not, not going to happen. Well, um, I actually used to have... Uh, mouse problems in my old apartment oh god okay wow that was that was a reaction it's so weird it's like i grew up in florida where as you know the bugs are Mm man-sized so that doesn't creep me out but for some reason like rodents which we don't really have an issue with in florida like it's like ah creeps me out so uh we we had a mouse problem and we tried a bunch of stuff that worked okay until Mm -hmm. We got a cat, and our cat was, like, a super coward, like, she hid from everything, but her presence alone completely stopped the mice problem. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the mice probably were just running from her pheromones before she even got near them. Yeah. So, yes, they've decided to risk... Yeah, it seems like such a bad idea. Oh, they have all these problems with 
pests and such. Let's go back to the planet to get a solution in case we didn't... It just seems like you're risking bringing back a parasite. Yeah, right? Okay. I'm surprised, though, that this episode didn't appeal to you, if for nothing else, than for how much crap Rigel takes in this episode. I prefer when Rigel just doesn't show up at all, honestly. Okay. Well, Chiana and Dargo come back from the planet, and they say they've got the solution to their parasite problem, and Aaron says, oh, is Rigel leaving us? (laughs) But no, they have brought an alien that's supposed to run around the ship and kill parasites, and as we have alluded, it looks like the alien from Mac and Me. Like, it it looks like they were going for E.T., but accidentally got Mac and Me. It looks like what you would get if E.T. and Yoda had a baby by way of the aliens from Mac and Me, which I, I, I checked because it does look really Mac and Me-ish. And I'm like, okay, I know the Henson people didn't do the puppet for that, but, like, did the puppet from Mac and Me end up in, like, some sort of warehouse and got bought by the Farscape people? Like... It's not quite Mac and Me, but it's... I mean, it's better than... we. Should we talk about what Mac and Me is for people who aren't familiar with it? Oh, yeah. You, wait, wait. You mean not everyone knows about obscure, rip-off, terrible movies from the 80s? Okay, so Mac and Me was an attempt to cash in on E.T. It was funded almost entirely by McDonald's, so it's basically a really long creepy mcdonald's commercial mcdonald's and coca-cola yes. wanted some of that sweet sweet reese's pieces publicity so instead of being obsessed with reese's pieces the aliens are obsessed with coca-cola and it gives them magic powers that lets them bring children back from the dead i guess they do do that and then they become american citizens at the end because coca-cola and mcdonald's are both aggressively pro-america unlike et a movie you know a movie that's pro i was gonna say pro-immigration but i guess it's not because they 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 make the alien leave at the end i would say that if you haven't seen mac and me and you're curious you should watch drew gooden's video about it I did not on YouTube. know. I didn't know Drew Gooden did a video about it. Oh, you didn't? No, oh, well, I need to see that now. That's what we'll be doing when we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, Mac and me. Oh, it's terrible. But the alien also, it looks like a really creepy version of E.T., which is what it is. And that's what this one looks like, too. But the few minor changes that are in this puppet from the Mac- from what the Mac and me puppet looks like emphasize why the Henson company is so much better. Well, it's way more articulated. Yeah, and it's got, like, these kind of long bat ears that move and make it appear cuter. Mm. And um, it's got a longer neck so that it can kind of swivel its head around in, in, again, a way that makes it look kind of childlike and therefore cuter. So just, like... Mm. mm. But what I'm saying is they just a couple of tweaks... Really improve the puppet. Not enough to make it not unsettling, but enough. Well, you saw that thing about why Baby Yoda hit so well, while other attempts to do similar things did not. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's because it's a puppet. It has a physicality to it that, say, Baby Peanut didn't have. How is that ad campaign still going on, by the way? Is it? Yeah, but he's not a babe anymore. He hit peanut puberty. No, that's worse. And then he was like a peanut millennial for a while. I don't know if he's fully back to Mr. Peanut yet or not, but... (laughs) Do you remember how 
We all blamed 2020 on the baby peanut. No. Nothing was right since the baby peanut commercial. Excuse me, he had a name. Do you remember what it was? No, I don't know if I even ever knew it had a name. Are you ready? Because it's the worst thing ever. Okay, what is it? Baby nut. No! No! (laughs) That's terrible! Why would they do that? Oh my god. Okay. But now he's... I don't know if he's still like a hipster now or if they just went back. But that ad campaign went on for way longer than it should have. And remember how they had to cut down all of the, you know, oh, Mr. Peanut died stuff after? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was just a just, just terrible marketing idea from, from start to finish. But like... Soup to nuts. It, it reminds me of the whole thing with the... Remember the Burger King King? How there were all those ads with the creepy... With the creepy face mask. But wasn't that kind of what they were doing? Like, wasn't the idea of having the creepy face mask for the, for the Burger King King that people would actually stop on the ads and watch them because they would be like, what the hell is this? I don't know what the thought process was. I did read this thing uh, that someone wrote. I don't know how accurate it is because I read it on the internet, but it was from like an actual newspaper or something where they were talking about how Burger King sales actively suffered during the length of that ad campaign. And that was like a three-year ad campaign. Oh, I didn't realize that. And... Not by, like, huge margins, but they went down. And I'm, I'm like, the ads can't have helped, right? Like, I'm sure there there were probably other factors. But, like, if you introduce this ad campaign that everyone hates, is the thought just at least everyone's talking about our product? But you have heard of me. Like, I actively don't want to buy Planters Nuts anymore. I actively want to avoid them because of the whole baby nut thing. Okay, I mean, I do still eat planter's nuts because, you know, it's a good they protein a in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah, and they have a monopoly. Yeah. Like, what other peanut are you going to buy? What other peanut can... What other peanut company comes to mind when you think peanut companies? Well, I mean, I guess I could technically buy Kroger's peanuts, but they don't have, like, the big, convenient screw-top container that yeah, planter's does. Yeah, they're in a bag. Does. No, no, they're in a little tin. Oh, are they? You know what? I'm going to buy Kroger's peanuts tomorrow when I do grocery shopping. There. See, you screwed yourself out of a sale there, planters. I know you're listening to us. (laughs) But to bring this back around, uh, the Jim Henson company actually went through a lot of revisions when they did the Dark Crystal Mm -hmm. to make the the, uh, Gelf puppets look... Less creepy? Yes, so, and, and one of the things they landed on was that they needed to make them more childlike and, interestingly, give them eyebrows. Huh. So that they would seem to have, to, so they would seem to have more facial expressions. Weren't we talking about something where they would, like, simulated eyebrows so that they could do more expressive? Uh, they did the same, they discovered the same thing on Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Hmm. Also, our dog is a chocolate lab, and I maintain that one of the reasons she's so cute is that her eyebrow ridges look so much like human eyebrows, so her expressions are so much more expressive. Chocolate lab-ish. Lab plus. She's got a real foofy tail, and she's smaller than standard labs. Yes, we don't know what else she's mixed with because she's a rescue. The vet had declared her a lab plus. Also, she's... She's, Did you you say she's smaller than breed standard? She's smaller than breed standard. Yeah, and she's kind of foofy yeah like she's a lot softer than labs are yes 
She's a great dog. <laughs> she is. So they've brought this hideous creature on to hunt down any parasites that might be around. And they open the cage to let it out and it immediately zooms off into the bowels of Moya. And Aaron's like, oh my god, they don't pay me enough. They don't pay me enough to deal with this crap. And then we see John playing another game. Now he is golfing. He has taken a piece of Moya that's vaguely shaped like a golf club and a ball that's too big to be a golf ball, but vaguely a golf ball. And he is quoting Caddyshack to himself while trying to play golf. Well, you can't really play golf unless you're decimating a ton of land that could be used for just so many other things. It's true. It's true. Oh, and wasting just so much water to keep that uh that terrible that that grass green yeah yeah golf courses are an ecological nightmare i'm so glad millennials are killing them Mm, yes but while john is golfing he notices some crumbs and he thinks that perhaps rigel is behind one of his rigel gates you know the little areas that only rigel is small enough to go through So he leans over to try to see what's going on when this giant monster jumps out at him. That's unfortunate. He freaks out and he shoots at the monster and... It disappears as though it was never there. Yeah. Oh, John, no one's going to believe you. Poor John. Poor, poor hallucinating baby. Although, I mean... He's not. He, I mean, he's hallucinating, but not this. Also, he's is not he really hallucinating? hallucinating. It's like post-whatever suggestion, right? Or something. Or there's a chip in his brain or whatever. Psychic powers. There's a lot of things that could be stopping John or making John see... Uh, Scorpius. Yeah, Scorpius. Rigel's freaking out because the pest-seeking thing flipped out and apparently there's pests or whatever and rigel's like mur, 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 that food's mine and Dargo's like you mean that food's ours and rigel's like i'm a dominar i get to hoard food important important uh little clue here by the way for what happens later in the episode mm-hmm. when rigel and dargo are fighting and rigel kind of gets up close into dargo's face he is repulsed back and he says oh my god what is that smell And Dargo says it's Vork urine from when they were transporting the Vork. Mm. Mm. Important, important clue. Yes. Normal (laughs) people would never think that urine smelled bad. Well, nobody else is reacting to Dargo as though they'd smelled anything. I wonder what he normally smells like. You know what? I'm okay not knowing that. (laughs) They suggest that maybe what John saw was the, the Vork running around, and he's like, I don't know, does it look like a big scary monster? And they're like, no, it looks like a tiny Mac and me alien. And Erin adorably, like, sticks her fingers up in her head like a little antenna, and she's like, it's got little beetly boopers. Mm. I, just, I feel like Erin is really kind of getting to the point where she can relax around John, and it's adorable. She is opening up a lot more. Meanwhile, Zan is putting the food away in, like, giant plastic containers. I really, I, I, I realize putting the food in giant plastic containers actually makes sense, but they're, like, these weird hanging things that I'm looking at, and I'm like, those are gonna fall over. It doesn't look sturdy. What are you doing? 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So we see a little point of view thing skittering across the ground and going up to uh, the hanging food. And it tears it off the thing and tears it open and starts eating it. And then Zan comes back and the creature's gone, but there's food everywhere. She's like, oh, tired sigh. Tina was right. These little plastic things don't hold food very well. Poor Zan is kind of the mom of Moya in this episode. Yeah, she really doesn't get to do anything fun except, like, try to take care of sick people and try to deal with the food situation. Now it's Marge's time to shine. (laughs) Also, we see kind of a point of view shot from the creature, Mm -hmm. and she does the kind of housewife eek a mouse thing. So, yeah. And Chiana comes in, like, skating in using the Vork's cage as her little, like, vehicle. Okay, so Xana's Marge. Is Chiana Bart? Yes. Dargo's Millhouse. <laughs> God. Everything's coming up, Dargo. Just in this episode. Especially with... The fact that he gets, like, sidelined by being sick for most of the episode, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that would happen to Millhouse. Like, if somebody needed to be sick for a whole episode to make a point about the terrible danger everyone's in, I feel like it would be Millhouse. We found him in a basket. We got it Pier 1. Yeah! He did get parasites from that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Although, fun fact... Pier 1 got upset about that, so in the American markets, they trade uh, they changed it to Trader Pete's. But on the DVDs, I think on the DVDs, definitely in foreign markets, you can still hear the original uh, Pier 1. Also, it's really obvious they overdubbed it. Also, sometimes when you're watching it with captions on, it still says Pier 1 in the captions. I love when they, like, change a line, but they don't change the captions. You notice it. They it's it's more often than you think. Yeah, it's a lot. I am trying to remember what show I was watching, but I was watching a show with the captions on, and there was a song playing, and the captions said what song was playing, but it was different than the song that was actually playing. Was it Charmed? No, 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 it wasn't Charmed. But the point is, a character said something specifically referencing the song. But the thing that they said was referencing the song that was really playing, and the thing in the caption was referencing the song in the caption. Mm. So they clearly had had a rights issue that they couldn't clear, and they made the change, but the caption still had the old lines. Was it Golden Girls? I I feel like I remember this being a thing. I think it might have actually been Golden Girls, yeah. Anyway, Chiana comes into the kitchen to get the Vork that scared Zan. And, okay, like, I know I, I said he's weird and creepy but he is kind of like cute hiding behind the counter trying to avoid getting caught by chiana although we do see his giant teeth or i guess they're not giant they're just very very sharp the thing is just a couple more takes on this creature i feel like would have made it work better like because i feel sympathetic for it when we're just going off the sound design there, there's a bit later where Aaron's threatening it and it's making these sad noises. And I was like, oh, those noises are really cute, but they're coming out of this hideous monster thing. Okay, so since you're talking about sound design, I really want to talk about what's going on with the music in this episode. You mean how incredibly broad it is? Yes. So apparently the composer was inspired by Gremlins, 
but it sounds very cartoony. And I know we talk a lot in our various podcasts about how much we like it when shows that aren't horror shows kind of go to a horror genre place. Mm -hmm. And towards the end, this show kind of does try to do like an aliens thing, but it's really trying to do... Gremlins. Yes. So, but what I, before I saw that the composer was inspired by Gremlins, I'm like, why is this a cartoon that turns into a horror movie? And then when I saw that they were trying to do Gremlins, I was like, ah, I see. You didn't quite get the tone. We have like a clashing of tones instead of a melding of tones. Okay. So I've never actually seen Gremlins. But you've seen that Phoebe Cates' story about how her dad dies? No, not exactly. Okay. When I was younger, I read the novelization of Gremlins. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. It's like how most of my X-Files experience was through novelizations of episodes that I, I, you know, you could pick them up at like thrift stores and stuff. Like they, a lot of the, because uh, you could get books really cheap. Yeah. A lot of the books they had were like TV tie and stuff, so. Before streaming television and the easy access to everything you wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. When I had to watch Star Trek original series episodes just wherever I could get them, buying them on single VHSs. Oof, $30 for Spock's brain. Yes, buying them by the episode on VHS tapes. And I would like hoard my money and buy like a single tape so that I would have that one episode on tape. When that was the situation... I had the novelizations of every Star Trek episode, and I read those. Then streaming became a thing, and everything was at my fingertips. Now I Ish. have... Because mm-hmm. yeah. now it's getting pulled apart by all the different networks. and. So this is like an interesting dichotomy, right? With streaming, you own nothing. And it's scary because it could like go away at any minute. As we experienced, right? Mm-hmm. We watched season one of Farscape on... Google Play. I paid for the downloads on Google Play, and that's how we watched it. Then, when it became available on Amazon, Google Play stopped offering it for sale. I cannot buy season two on Google Play. But we have Amazon Prime, so we're just doing that. But then, on the other hand, you know, physical media, you own it. But, like, do you really? Because... I mean, planned obsolescence. Right. My but I had... My Buffy DVDs, I think it was season six, like, one of those discs, I played them, I played it once, and then it would only play one episode. I put it in, at any DVD player would just start auto-playing this one episode, and then it would turn off. Mm. And I'm like... Well, and even if you don't have issues with DVDs wearing out, or... VHS is wearing out. Or where are you even going to get a VHS player? Yeah. Like, even if you don't have that issue, you have to own everything. So, and and this is a real question, right? Is it better to own 10% of media or have incomplete access to 90%? Well, there was this thing about the morality of emulators of, you know... Oh, like for video games. For video games. Because Nintendo goes on this perpetually goes on these big things where they you know copyright claim and right just shut down emulator sites but the thing is these are for video games that are from like two three decades ago 
that you literally can't play anywhere. There's no way for Nintendo is not re-releasing them. They're not making any money off of these games. I mean, they are re-releasing old games on the Switch now. Yeah, that's a new thing. Right. So a weird convergence of that. Um, you've never seen this because it's in a box in the garage, but I actually own a physical emulator a device that you plug into the TV, but it has all of the old first-generation Nintendo games on it. Wow. I should pull that, that out. Man. We should play that. Yeah. I mean, but it's also, like, they're not releasing they're not releasing all of the games on Switch. And, some... and they're doing it, like, in stages. Yeah. And, like, when they re-released Harvest Moon 64, they did it with these all-new graphics, and it just... I don't want the characters to look like these weird, giant, puffy babies. That's not what I want out of a Harvest Moon game. It seems weird. Far, so far, Skip. So Aaron walks into the room where Chiana and Zan are running around trying to catch the Vork, and she just picks it up by the neck and is like, What are you two doing? Stop messing around! And then the Vork bites her and she drops it and she's like, The fuck? And yeah, the fork bites her on her stomach, and then she, like, examines her midriff. I don't know. It's just, it's very, uh... Hey, did you know that Claudia Black does a lot of sit-ups? Right? Look at what an attractive midsection Claudia Black has, everyone. I mean, she does. Like, it's fine. So, meanwhile, John is wandering around... Looking for the monster that he saw, and Pilot's like, sure you didn't hallucinate it? Because everyone's talking about how you're, you know, hallucinating and, you know, blowing holes in the wall for no reason. And people uh, people are worried about you, bro. And John's like, I'm fine. He says that John has been obsessed with his game. John says to Pilot, you know, you don't really believe, Aaron, that I'm, you know, losing it, do you? And Pilot's like... Do you not know about the bond Aaron and I have? If it comes down to you or Aaron, I'm believing Aaron. Also, I don't think John's really displaying losing it behavior. I mean, he seems kind of depressed. I guess that might be, you know, losing it adjacent. But mostly it just seems like he's having some depression issues, which makes sense because he lost his daughter, sort of. Could a depressed person do this? God. But yeah, John hears a scuffling about, and he takes out his John gun, and he wanders- Winona. He hasn't named it yet, but later he's going to name it Winona. Ugh. Wow. Wow, did, uh... What? Did Guardians of the Galaxy steal from Farscape? Wait, do they do that too? I don't remember that from Guardians of the Galaxy. Not exactly, but- you know what Peter Quill's ship is called, right? In Guardians of the Galaxy? I forget. It's the Milano. Oh, like Alyssa Milano. Wow. I mean, wow. I don't know if that's... I'm assuming that's not from the comics because Peter Quill's an older character, right? Yeah, yeah. That's. I don't, I'm almost certain that's not from the comics. Like, I know Star-Lord was basically an entirely different person before the, uh, before the MCU kicked in. It's weird. I've read the old comics, and yeah, Star-Lord is nothing like Chris Pratt. And now the MCU is so powerful that 
It's it's reached into the 616 and molded Star-Lord in its own image. It also happened to Iron Man, but eh, who cares about Iron Man? It's fine. Meanwhile, Matt Fraction molded Hawkeye into his image, but that's just one writer. Yeah, although the way he's controlled how people see Hawkeye, because Hawkeye was basically like the Wolverine of the Avengers. Hawkeye is such a different character before Matt Fraction started writing him. By different, do you mean he was a raging asshole for most of his... uh... Yeah, I I was going to add the caveat there that I'm not complaining. I much prefer Hawkeye to what he was before. Matt Fraction's uh, Jimmy Olsen run is also very good. Although it kept Jimmy more or less... Jimmy. It's hard to do a Jimmy... I feel like Jimmy Olsen is one of those characters it's very hard to get wrong interesting I'm, I'm not saying people can't do it i'm sure they're what were, were you thinking the thing i was thinking i don't know were you thinking about that show i showed you with the dogs the uh where jimmy olsen is a mouse oh my god i wasn't <laughs> but <laughs> no i uh i i was thinking of uh i was thinking of the jimmy olsen from the Zack snyder uh I think it was Batman v Superman. Oh, yeah, but it's like a weird, isn't it like a weird Easter egg that I didn't even realize was Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, the uh, the guy who's with Lois Lane at the beginning of Batman v Superman who gets uh, shot by the group that she, the terrorist group that she was trying to interview, that's supposed to be Jimmy Olsen. Uh, they, but... Like, he's not credited as that, and it's just something that Zack Snyder or someone talked about in interviews later, and he's like, yeah, that was that was Jimmy Olsen. I'm like... That makes a lot of sense, though, because in the construction of the Snyderverse, Superman cannot have a pal. So it makes sense that he would kind of declare this by immediately shooting Superman's pal. It's too dark and gritty for pals. Matt Fraction's run on Jimmy Olsen is really worth checking out, even if you're not a, well, I was going to say even if you're not a huge comics person, but honestly, it is kind of aggressively comics-y because that is Jimmy Olsen. So, back in Farscape, John is looking for the parasite that he saw that nobody believes he saw, and he does himself no favors by pulling a gun on Rigel. Eh. I mean, as far as people thinking that he is under control. Although, I will point out, he's walking around looking for a parasite, and here he is pulling a gun on Rigel. Mm. Just saying, maybe he subconsciously understands more than he seems to understand. So, I know you said that you thought I would like this episode more because lots of bad stuff happens to Rigel. Yes. But I'm going to compare Rigel to another character I actively dislike. Are we going to be talking about Party Down right now? Yeah. Because there is a character that I dislike to the degree I dislike Rigel, who is, uh, it's Roman. On Party Down. On Party Down, who's just the worst. But the difference is, I just don't want to see Rigel. I don't want Rigel to be part of the plot. Wait, how's that different? That's how you feel about Roman, too. No, I'm okay with Roman being in the plot as long as bad things are actively happening to him. Ah. I dislike him so much in a different way where I want to see bad stuff happen to him instead of, you know, just not seeing him at all okay for example i would enjoy shark tank more not if kevin o'leary was not on it but if they were let's say constantly hitting him with blunt objects god he's such a dick 
and he's oh he's a dick he's wrong so often about so many things oh i don't know do people spend money on their dogs that doesn't seem like a thing that i've experienced in my vast experience as a wealthy white man or is Christmas something people spend money on? I don't think Christmas is something. Like, he does these, like, blanket, very wrong statements all the time that no one ever calls him out on. I, I think I think Lori calls him out on it. Well, not when it's about, like, animals, but Lori calls him out on it when he's like, I don't know, are women willing to pay money just so that they can look good while being comfortable? That seems unlikely. Lori calls him out on that. Although nobody called him out enough on the whole, like, if my girlfriend was wearing a bra that flattered her breasts or whatever, and she took it off and she had floppy breasts, I would sue. I was like... Oof, yeah. I was like, seriously, Lori, Barbara, you're not saying anything? What an awful thing to say. Like, And then he kept doubling down on it because people are just like kind of trying to ignore him being the worst person on earth. I mean, his wife murdered someone... Uh, hey, his wife manslaughtered two people. Yes, I'm sorry. His wife drunkenly ran over two people with a boat. What a rich person way to kill someone. I know, right? And yet he's still the worst O'Leary. But yeah, he's an awful garbage person. and It's okay. Every time he says something, I mean, he's a billionaire, so you can't really hurt him. But every time he says something terrible on Shark Tank, I'm just like, you thought that Ring was a bad idea. One of the weird things about watching old Shark Tanks is seeing people pitch businesses that are, like, massively successful now and having the sharks say, I don't know, I don't think anyone would spend money on a service that delivers food to your house. Well, okay, so it's not just food. It, plated, which is, is not a company I see around a lot, but it, it is still around, but it's it does what HelloFresh does and Blue Apron and, you know, it, it gives you the portioned ingredients and the recipes and you make your meals. And all of the sharks were so confused why this would be a thing people want. It's weird. Although, to be fair, I, I think it was Mark Cuban who was like, well, if this works, why won't just a bunch of people do it and flood the market, which is what happened, so. Yes. But the plated guys made a bunch of money, didn't they? Yeah, the plated guys made a bunch of money. So Chiana's chasing the Vork through the corridors, and Dargo's like, hey, you're supposed to stay with the Vork. And Chiana's like, it's fast! Its whole deal is that it's fast! Anyway, they kind of have like a snippy couples quarrel thing, but like in a cute way where you know they really love each other. Meanwhile, Erin is going back to her room only to see, uh-oh, the Vork has peed over all of her stuff. This is a very, you know new pet owner situation it is the vork is just sitting on her bed staring at her urinating everywhere she's not pleased this is so a new pet owner situation because and then you know she's the person who lives in the house and doesn't want the pet so obviously the pet wants to spend all of its time with her yeah she's like chiana get in here and get your stupid vork and it's like humping her leg oh i feel so bad for claudia black here because she has to do all of the comedic, yeah, heavy lifting in this scene, and it's just so awful. It's awkward. It's never funny. Dogs humping things is not funny. I don't know who decided it was and decided to put it in everything in the 90s, but it was never funny. And if you thought it was funny, you're wrong. 
as everyone's running around, Aaron's like, hey, Chiana, here's a thought. Maybe there are no parasites and this whole thing was a scam to get you to buy this stupid creature. <laughs> but then Chiana's like, hey, I'm in the maintenance bay and there's something here. So, yeah, maybe I didn't get swindled. And I love how Dargo, like, becomes protective guy and is, like, running to the cargo bay to save Chiana. Rigel is also in the maintenance bay, and the creature seems to be really honing in on Rigel. It's, like, gonna eat him. And oh, no. <laughs> and then Dargo charges in, and they fight. They exchange sword to tooth, right? Sword sword versus tooth? Yeah, it's like that one scene in, uh, in the Baudelaire Orphan books. So the creature is Sunny. The creature is Sunny and Dargo's that hypnotist with the sword cane in the Mill book. Ah, yeah, there you go. Or alternatively, the Mill episode of the TV show. Did they did they translate that to the TV show? Because I feel like it would be kind of difficult to do. I don't remember if they did or not. Anyway, Dargo's down. It's bad. And how much does Dargo suck? <laughs> yeah. Well, Rigel. When John gets to the maintenance bay, Rigel's, like, reaching into his mouth, and John's like, what are you doing? And Rigel says, he was choking. But we know that's not what's going on. And John is trying to help Dargo, who starts seizing up, and I'm like, he's a Luxon. Don't you just have to punch him until the blood runs clear? Seriously, like, I'm sure Luxon hospitals are just giant staircases that they throw the patients down. Yeah. Like... Do they have, like, a Valhalla deal with heaven? Where, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, yes, they have a, if you die in battle, then it's good thing. Yeah. I'm almost certain they do. So, in the in the med bay... Xan has to treat Dargo's boo-boos because she's the Marge of this episode. Yeah. And Chiana's, like, pestering her. She's like, I'm trying to make Dargo better. And Chiana's like... He's hurt. Look, I don't know anything about medicine, and I can see that he's hurt. And Zan's like, yeah, I know, but you can't do anything about it. So sit down and shut up and let me do something about it. I feel so bad for Zan in this episode. It's all people just screaming in her ears while she's trying to get stuff done. You know, you're right. I don't usually feel bad for Zan, and I never have in this episode before, but you're right. I totally do now. Yeah, you know what's going to help her diagnose what's wrong with Darko and fix it? You yelling in her ear while she's leaning over him, Chiana. Oof. Meanwhile, John and Aaron are trying to find the parasite. They both, like, have their pulse pistols out and are walking through the corridors doing a sweep, and... They find the Vork, but not the creature that attacked Dargo. And they think, oh, hey, maybe the creature was on its way to the maintenance bay. And it actually is tracking the parasite. It just got scared or something. Mm. And John's like, maybe it will kill the parasite. and Or at least lead us to the parasite. Like, maybe. Well, well no, he says maybe it will kill because Aaron's like, look at that thing. Do you think that thing could kill? Which, to be fair, it, it does have pretty sharp teeth. And right? Also, we don't... I, I guess they do know what the parasite looks like, but... Do they? Mm-hmm. So, in the med bay, Chiana is, like, leaning over Dargo and trying to make him feel better. And he's like, hey, you know what would make me feel better? Sex. 
I'm not even kidding. That's what happens. I was going to say it would make me feel better if you weren't on top of me while I was dying, but that's the opposite of what's going on. Dargo is so horny ever since he hooked up with Chiana, which I guess makes sense. Hmm. So Chiana asks Zan if, you know, now that she's given her 15 goddamn seconds by herself, does she know what's wrong with Dargo? And Zan's like, actually, yes, when someone's not screaming at me, I can find out that there's a toxin going through his veins. He's been poisoned! Dun, dun, dun. What a wuss. Poison. I thought you were a you know, proud warrior race, dude. Why don't you just filter it out through your face tentacles? Honestly, it's probably because his race has such a high metabolism that the poison affects him more than it does others. Mm. So Zan tells John through the PA that she needs the creature alive so that she can extract the venom and make an anti-venom. And apparently you can't extract venom when the creature you're trying to de-venom is dead. So, uh. She says most creatures who are venomous, when they die, the venom degrades quickly. I don't think that's true. We were watching this episode and you were like, is that true? And I was like, I don't know. Oh. Well, I mean, they're alien creatures, so I guess whatever you want to be true can be true. Right? I'm not a cryptozoologist. So the DRDs are going through, also sweeping Moya, looking for the creature. And John is watching their cams on the clamshell when all of a sudden he sees Scorpius appear on the clamshell. Yeah, and Scorpius is like, hey, John, what you doing? He says, by the time you know what's happening, it will be too late. Which is very ominous. Mm. And then they put Dargo inside Moya's brain. A lot of this episode feels like, hey, we needed to kill like five minutes. And that's definitely the impression I get from this scene. Because they're like, we're going to put Dargo in Moya's brain. It'll stop him from dying, but only for like five minutes of screen time. Inside of Moya's neural clusters, which looks like a giant wind tunnel, just blowing Dargo's braids and tentacles hither and yon. This doesn't add (laughs) anything to the story. It doesn't even stop him from dying for that long. It gives him, like, a a whole nother hour. You know what? What also would have given him an hour? Just saying, oh, it's gonna kill him in an hour. There was no point to this scene. They could have frozen him like they froze Rigel in that one episode. Why don't they ever freeze people in this show? This comes up so often. Remember the other time they had a parasite that was going around, you know, infecting people? Yeah, that was, yeah. I do remember that. And it was a better episode than this? It was a better episode than this. Meanwhile... In fact, I don't know if you remember when that episode was coming up and I was like, oh, this episode, it's fine. And then when it actually, when we actually watched it, it was like, oh, this is a really good episode. Mm -hmm. Before when I was like, eh, it's fine. I was thinking it was this episode. Uh, Meanwhile, Aaron's doing a Luke Skywalker and Yoda thing with the hideous puppet. According to the commentary track, Mm -hmm. Claudia Black actually asked to do it like this specifically as a reference to Luke Skywalker. And when she has to do all of the comedic work with the comedy puppet, she gets to call the shots, I guess. I feel so bad for Claudia Black because she's so funny, but (sighs) puppet humor is like dog reaction shot level comedy. It's so funny that you like feel bad about her having to act with the puppet like this because I feel less bad because I know that she wanted the shots to work the way they did. 
but when she was running with the puppet on her back, all I could think is, where is the puppeteer? Poor Claudia Black, and honestly, poor puppeteer. Humans aren't meant to work in that close of quarters. God. So, Aaron decides that she's impeding the creature by carrying it around instead of letting it run like a ridiculous vibrating puppet thing. So she throws it on the ground and it puppet vibrates across the floor and it looks so bad. Oh my god, it looks so terrible. Uh, yeah, it does. In fact, I wasn't able to see it, but according to IMDb goofs, you can actually see the puppeteer's arm in that shot. Not surprised. So, uh, Rigel's freaking out. He's like, oh no, the creature's coming for us. Oh no. Pilot's given the play-by-play. It's on tier four. It's in the airlock. Ah, we go to static because one of the DRDs got eaten by the creature. And everyone's running through Moya's hallways. You know what? The scene design of Farscape, I love that they have just like one hallway set, but they can just film people running up and down it forever and have as many long chase scenes as they need. I mean, I don't love that they can do as many chase scenes as they need because... It's like 40% of this episode. It really is. It's like a less fun Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Chiana fires at the creature and John like tackles her because they need to take the creature alive. And he's like, just go comfort Dargo. And Chiana tells him that that's not what she's good at. Remember the planet where the guy was her lover and she like took off because she's not good at comforting people and he died. He wasn't sick before she left, but she's not good (laughs) at being like compassionate and like caretakery she's good at running around and shooting at things actually i mean she says that she's not good at that either she's good at like doing the whole seduction femme fatale thing yeah and darko wanted you to have sex with him so just do that john actually says how about you just go give darko a reason to live oh dear yeah anyway pilot has managed to isolate the creature in the command center and he seals the doors so that it can't get out and everyone goes in to find the creature and all they find is the fork. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Curious that. And John sees not the fork, but Scorpius, and is like, not now, Scorpius! And then is like, John, who are you talking to? What's going on, buddy? I don't like this, John. I don't want to be in a ship in space, which is definitely not a place you can easily leave. With somebody who is losing it. Well, then you're definitely on the wrong ship. <laughs> wow, good point. Good point. So, they're trying to sweet talk the Vork. They're like, show us where the parasite is. And then the Vork flips inside <laughs> out and it turns into the monstery thing that John saw earlier. Which, by the way, I kind of think is cuter than the Vork. It's way cuter than the Vork. Okay, it's scaly. Er, not not scaly like... me. No, I, see, it It seems more to me like it has like a chitinous shell, like a, like a beetle. Mm. Like it's got like a beetle shell. Mm. And it's got like this smush face, like a bulldog. You're like a pug. It's got little pug smush face. Yeah. And it's got little pincer arms and these little squat feet. Yeah, little I'm, baby legs. I'm not really a pug person, but it's 
infinitely cuter than the fork. Okay, I'm not a pug person because we humans have done the terrible thing of genetically engineering them to look cute by having flat faces so that they can't breathe. Like, it's terrible. And if you're with one, you can't be like, oh, that's cute because it's struggling to breathe. My- but I admit that it's accurate that it's a cute like it's cute like it's there's a reason it was done my old roommate uh, worked in an animal shelter and she would take the dogs that no one else would take mm-hmm. which was very nice of her except for the part where she'd leave sometimes and then I would have to take care of them because you know I was the one who was in the house yeah and she had a uh, she had a pug that she took in because no one else would take it which that dog oh my god i felt so i i tried to walk it once like i walked her other dog all the time i tried walking that dog once it did not make it down the street i had to pick it up to bring it back and like one of the neighbors saw me and i felt abusive just being around it (laughs) just owning that dog it was like it was a pug that had gone too far it was just like uh, it was just like a potato with eyes and like I, i felt bad for it i I mean, you you couldn't look at it without thinking, oh my god, people did this to you. This was something that was done to you. Farscape. Yeah. Anyway, they all freak out about the Vork being the parasite, and they throw smoke grenades at it, and... Bet Chiana feels like a real jackass now. Right? I mean, she does. She's like, oh wait, I'm the one who brought it on the ship. I'm the one who hurt Dargo, and... Oh, poor Chiana. Anyway, they bring the thing back to Zan so that she can get a venom sample. And Zan's like, wah, wah, this thing doesn't have venom, so... Yep. I do like, they're like, so is there something else, or what's going on here? Yeah. I, Zan's like, I don't know. I, I I worked with what you brought me, and there there's nothing. I do like how Rigel is like... Maybe you just suck. Zan says, I've tried everything I know. And Rigel says, well, that didn't take long. What a snarky uh, jerk he's being in this episode. It's too bad Zan's psychic powers are out this week. I I know that's not how her powers work. That's not how her powers work. She'd have to have brain sex with, uh, with Rigel to find out that something is wrong. If something was wrong with Rigel... Yeah, nobody wants to have brain sex with Rigel. Parasite infected or not. Anyway, Chiana has to go confess to Dargo that she did this. It's all her fault. They have to have sexy times in the wind tunnel. Sad. The wind tunnel that, keep in mind, is Moya's brain. They are literally having sex inside of Moya's brain. I mean, they're not actually literally having sex, but they're in Moya's brain. Gross. So, John and Aaron are walking through the ship trying to figure out what is going on. They're like, okay, so if neither one of that thing's forms are poisonous, then something else must have infected Dargo. There must be a third thing. Well, and Aaron correctly hypothesizes that maybe this creature has one form for chasing, like a small, fast form that chases things, and then a scary in quotation marks because i think it's cute a scary baby-legged form for killing the thing god i wish they just like a couple more passes on that puppet like 
Just don't make it look like the thing for Mac and me. I know. So, John comes up with an interesting plan, I think. Yeah, they're going to stab the Vork with the translator... Microbes? Yeah. And then see if it will understand them more. Not... Because, like, they they know it doesn't have, like, a language language because the translator microbes aren't translating what it's saying to them. But they figure, hey, pump it through, pump it full of microbes and maybe uh, we'll get more understanding from it. Well, maybe it will understand us. Yes. Like, because we have a language, so maybe the microbes will, in whatever way it understands communication, it will understand what we are saying even though it doesn't have a language that can be understood by our microbes. It gets very upset uh, after John stabs it with microbe juice. And then Aaron's like, oh, this is stupid. Let's just kill it. And it freaks out and points to the sound design people. It sounds freaking adorable. Right? It just looks like a hideous monster creature. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden... Pilot is able to understand the creature. That's convenient. Yes. He says that being connected to Moya lets him understand creatures who don't really communicate in a traditional manner. Honestly, I think it would be his whole... Because doesn't his species have this thing where they, like, communicate on a much higher level and he has to do that thing where he, like, has to dumb himself down so much just to understand what other sentient creatures are saying. He has to dumb himself down to be understood. Yeah, no, I I thought it would be his... I would think it would be his brain that would let him understand the creature too. Yeah, because he's like, look, it doesn't have a language in a way the translator microbes can pick up on, but since I'm used to having to lower my consciousness down in order to communicate with you people... I get what it's going for in a way the microbes don't, but that's not really what they go with. They go with this weird thing, like, due to his connection with Moya, something, something. Well, I mean, she's a ship, so she doesn't communicate in the traditional manner either. You know what this really makes me think of, though? What? The episode of Futurama with the giant killer bees, when they give Bender the translator thing, where everything he says is being translated into bee language, which is a kind of dancing yeah so every time he talks he's like shaking his butt yeah this reminds <laughs> me of that so aaron has to apologize for talking about killing the vork before it'll be like yeah okay i'll help you and well and it tries to tell aaron that he wasn't attacking dargo dargo was friend and he was trying to protect dargo he was trying to defend i want to point out that the reason she has to say I'm sorry is so that it can have an ironic echo later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that scene is pretty sad. It's sad because Claudia Black is sad. Yeah. It's, it's not sad because we're not going to see the Vork anymore. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So the Vork wants to be let out so that it can kill the parasite. And John's like, all right, let's do it. And Aaron's like, okay, but... We saw it turn into a hideous monster, and that monster attacked Dargo, and maybe this is a terrible idea? And they're like, well, Dargo's gonna die if we don't, so... Eh. Let's do it. John says that he'll shoot the creature if it 
you know, turns out that the creature's about to betray him. And then the creature reaches out with, like, one bony hand and touches the gun like E.T., healing Elliot. It's going to re-edit this footage so that that gun's a (laughs) walkie-talkie. Yes! Rigel is very upset that they've gone with this plan. Just throwing that out there. Hmm. Rigel does not like that the Vork is on the loose hunting the parasite. John tells him to just lock himself in his room. The Vork pukes out. It's it's weird because it looks like it just pukes out the uh, different creature. But it's turning itself inside out. It's like that little octopus that I keep seeing on social media that keeps trying to be sold to me. Where it's a little stuffed octopus that's like smiley, but then it turns inside out and it's a little stuffed octopus that's frowny. Hmm. That sounds like it could be cute. It's from the pictures that social media keeps showing me. It's very cute. But not cute enough to spend money on. Not yet. Let it hit me 20 or 30 more times and maybe I'll break down and buy it. Mm. So it looks like the creature is straight up hunting Rigel, which you know what? Fair. (laughs) Also, I feel like this would be a difficulty with selling something on your planet that's specifically bread or whatever to hunt a certain kind of parasite when you're dealing with an entire universe's worth of alien creatures you think it's going to get some false positives yeah i mean surely that's what's happening here but also like i wouldn't be surprised if whatever rigel species is called registers as a parasite on whatever this thing's yeah hynerian hynerian so they keep trying to tell the creature Rigel is your friend. Do not attack Rigel. And they are not convincing. They did not convince it that Rigel is his friend. And it goes after Rigel. And they shoot it. And they shoot it. But Rigel is safe. The creature scuttles off. Well, I mean, he's he's not safe. He's He's injured from the creature. But yeah, the creature scuttles off. He's not dead. You know, it's interesting. I feel like we're talking so much about how weird the Mac and Me puppet is, but I feel like the Rigel puppet is way more expressive in this episode than he usually is. I think they probably made a... It seems to me like they made a more articulate puppet for this episode so that they could show him, like, grimacing in pain. And in the scene that's coming up, I was noticing how very very expressive his face is more so than usual so zan has him in the sick bay and zan's like so your organs seem completely different and weird to me also you're totally poisoned just like dargo was <laughs> and he's like your fault to john and john's like eh. 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 and john asks zan look if i bring you the creature dead can can you can- make a venom an anti-venom and Zan's like, I don't know. And John's like, well, I'm going to go kill it anyway. That's that's just what I'm going to do right now. And Darko grabs him on his way out. And he's like, hey, hey, if I die, can you find my kid? And John's like, I will I will be as effective at finding your child as you were. Oh, mean. Yeah, that's not fair. John is actually sad at uh, Darko being sick. But he just kind of leans over to Chian. He's like, have sex with him. Well, he, he tells Dargo, we'll find him together, man. And then he tells Gianna to have sex with Dargo. Yes. John and Aaron are again tracking this creature in the hallway. And this time, John sees Scorpius, like, 
creeping on Aaron. Yeah, he comes up behind her and is, like, leaning in close to her. And John fires his gun at Scorpius, who is not there, and actually shoots, like, right next to Aaron's head. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Stop saying nothing's wrong, because this is not okay. But then the creature comes and distracts them. Yes, and they shoot a billion times. This must be so weird for Moya. Can you imagine people shooting lasers at your interior? I don't know. I feel like they're small enough compared to her that it's no different than, like, bacteria that moves through our body. They. I feel like we still haven't got a good textual, uh, this is how big they are inside her. Okay, so I, after, I keep I kept saying she was the size of a city. I, I've, we've addressed this. Hmm. But I kept saying she was the size of a city, by which I meant, like, the island of Manhattan, which is not as big as, like, other cities. It's pretty big. There are a lot of people in it, but it's not, like, square footage-wise. It's not as big as, like, Portland. Is it? I don't know. I don't know! <laughs> the whole point of the story is I don't know sizes of things. So then I tried to get confirmation about the size of Moya, and there is none. No one knows how big Moya is. That, that is the moral of my story. Hmm. Anyway, the creature shows up. John and Aaron fire at it, and it runs off in, I have to say, a really cute way, because it's got those little baby legs. It's very cute. And Aaron starts to chase after it. John says, wait, it's obviously a trap. And Aaron's like, I know. John's like, okay, well, as long as we both know. And then they chase the creature into the maintenance bay. And in the maintenance bay, they discover a giant black spiderweb cocoon. And they tear it open, and whoa-oh, Rigel's in it. Yep. The creature, even though it has been fatally wounded, was leading them to the maintenance bay to show them that Rigel has been infected by the parasite, and that the Rigel that they think is Rigel is actually just three parasites in a Rigel suit. God. I said three. It's like three million three million parasites in a rigel suit and this is the scene i was talking about where rigel's face seems so much more expressive yeah meanwhile chiana's had sex with dargo and he's dying and she's just like on top of his dying deceased form and we cut to fake rigel whose face is all squirming with insects because now we know what the deal is mm-hmm. and he's just a little sack of skin that's shaped like rigel so that it can infect more people yep yep when they okay i was gonna say when they free rigel but i have to say they don't free rigel they just like crack open the cocoon and then they leave and then they leave he, he, they crack open the cocoon and he's like oh my god those things were like in my throat i could barely breathe this like black stuff started growing out of me it's horrifying and they're like oh wow Okay, we gotta go take care of this. We'll be back, maybe, later. We'll nah. get you later. And his, he looks so crestfallen, like, this this has got to be, this has got to be a different puppet than the normal Rigel puppet. Also, he proves that he's the real Rigel, because they're like, how do we know you're the real Rigel and not the, you know, other one? And he farts helium and then starts crying all high-pitched, and they're like, oh, okay, you're the real Rigel. Yeah. And then there's a horrifying thing where Rigel is attacking Zan, but like... Faux Rigel. Faux Rigel. And like the parasites that make up his body like are moving so that 
it's it's just really creepy. It's a very creepy effect, and if you have any sort of bug phobia, it will freak you out. So they shoot the Rigel puppet a billion times, and he bursts into lots of floor spiders. I do love how they sh- they're shooting him and shooting him and shooting him, and Shiana's just kind of crouched on top of Dargo. Uh-huh. Well, then John takes, like, a hose or something. Like, it's I, I think it's like a fire extinguisher. And just starts spraying the ground. And Chiana, like, takes the blanket and, like, puts it over Dargo and is just protective over top of him. Like, I I just think it's nice that when she was being attacked, or when she thought she was being attacked by the Vork, Dargo rushed in to save her. And now, like, she's just jumping up to save Dargo. Like, their connection there is awesome. And then when the fire extinguisher stuff clears and John and Aaron are both standing there. They both simultaneously go, sorry for the mess and turn and leave because they are so cute. You thought that was a silly stinger, but I think they're so cute. I was fine with them doing the line at the same time. I thought the music stinger was too much. Oh yeah. The cartoon music. Yeah. They do a comedy music sting over it. I'm like, no, it was funny enough on its own. Okay. As long as you agree with me that the line was cute. Yeah. The line was cute. It was just, you didn't, you didn't need that. It was like, remember the overbearing cartoonishness of the first season of The Simpsons, music-wise? Uh-huh. How they had that different composer for that one season, and it just killed jokes because, you know, it doesn't make you laugh at something. The soundtrack insisting it's funny and underlaying it with... I mean, Simpsons is on their 30th season, so... Yeah, and they ditched that composer after the first one. Oh, fair. Fair. So... The Vork is dying. Aaron is is holding the Vork puppet and is like, I am so sorry that I killed you, even though you were just trying to save our lives. And, like, it's like, friend. Blah. Yeah. By the way, uh, originally this scene was supposed to be with the other puppet, the attack fork, because remember, that's the form it was in when they shot it, mm. but they thought that the scene was sadder with this puppet. Wrong. They were wrong. They should have used the other puppet. But yeah, he he knows he knows he's about to die, and he's like, fork, phone home. I mean, it's really way more Dobby's death from Harry Potter. Mm, yeah. Except... Not sad. Well, I, it's sad to me because Aaron is so sad. and Yeah, it, it's sad because Claudia Black is sad. And I think it's important that this writer also wrote the episode the way we weren't. Because Aaron has done so much bad stuff in her life. And she did it because those were the morals that she had when she was a peacekeeper. And she has changed, and now she feels bad for things she did as a peacekeeper. But I think this is really the first time that she does something that conflicts with her current morals. Yeah, I think it's a really good character moment for Aaron. In season one, you would not see her cradling some rando alien and crying over it. Yes. And John, you know, holds her close, and he strokes her hair, and he whispers, I'll go flush it down the space toilet. I mean, do they have a funeral for it? How does that go? Yeah, they probably just flush it into space. They probably just flush it on an airlock. So, John is playing chess, and he's playing both sides of the board. He's going back and forth. And Aaron's like, hey, um, John, we need to talk about the fact that you almost shot me in the head. 
I do appreciate that John comes clean here. He's like, so I've been hallucinating Scorpius. And she's like, oh, is that why you didn't kill him when you had the chance to during that whole look at the princess thing? And he's like, yeah, I was trying really, really hard, but I couldn't probably because the Aurora chair did something to my brain or something. I don't know. Honestly, this is one of the things I like about Farscape. This shows one of the ways that this show is different. When Aaron was pressing him what is going on, your response when you were watching the episode was, oh, God, just tell her. And then he just told her. Yeah. And uh, she's like, okay, you need to keep me in the loop about this sort of thing. And he's like, I will keep you as in the loop about this as you have kept me about your emotional state. He says, I will ask for help just as much as you do. And then she leaves and he gets to finish his brain game of chess with uh, Scorpius. We see that in his brain, he's been playing against Scorpius, even though we see him... Before, when Aaron was in the room, we saw him moving back and forth between sides of the board. But in his brain, like Tyler Durden from Fight Club style, Scorpius is playing the other side. So I believe that'll about do it for this week. Well, it'll take us to our segments. Yes, that will take us to our segments. Our first segment is Strange Alien Creatures. We normally talk about what puppets worked for us. And you know what? I still am going to talk about that. Yeah, the alternate design was fine. The alternate design was... Yeah, I thought the alternate design was great. It was... Honestly, the alternate design should have been the hunting design. Well, it was the tracking design and the attacking design. Yeah, but that should have been the tracking design. It's not as cute, but it seemed, honest to God, way more ambulatory than the weird Mac and Me puppet. Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed more ambulatory because it had, like, legs that it was running on, whereas the Mac and Me was just being pulled on a skateboard. Yeah. But yes, I that puppet was a good design. And also, I want to call out how well-operated the Rigel puppet was this episode. Yeah. Our second segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world-building worked for you this episode? Uh, I mean... I guess... uh, I mean, we were really on the ship the whole episode. We didn't really learn. I mean, I like the idea, except this isn't really what they did, but I do like the idea of, hey, this planet has a problem with parasites. If you're leaving, you need to leave with one of these creatures to seek out the parasites in case there's one, except that's not really how they build it, so... Yeah, I mean, really, I feel like there should have been some sort of inspection before they left the planet but if you're taking parasites off they don't care yeah yeah fair fair right our final segment is looking for a way home which is what emotionally resonated with you in this episode i actually have multiples for this one so i mean it feels like a cheat to say the john and aaron stuff because it's that's always it for... the john and aaron stuff i did really appreciate although god i did not give a shit about the vork but I did feel bad, like, it is a credit to Claudia Black's acting that I felt bad, not for it, but for her, for having lost it. hmm And honestly, I don't know if this counts, but I, I really liked the Vork if you're just going off the sound mixing for it. Yeah. Because no. if you close your eyes, then you're like, oh, I feel bad for this creature. And you open them and it's a Mac and me nightmare. Yeah, I... Okay, it actually made my heart kind of, like, swell, and it made me kind of happy. The moment when John and Aaron did their simultaneous, sorry for the mess, action hero moment. Just the way that the two of them are so 
together right now at this point in time. Okay, I think that will about do it then. Yeah, next time we're going to be talking about Won't Get Fooled Again. Crichton awakens in a hospital room and is told he never left Earth by a doctor who looks exactly like Aaron. So similar to the Crooked People episode. Well, that's what Won't Get Fooled Again refers to. Mm. Won't Get Fooled Again. Yeah. That description does not even begin to scratch the surface of what happens in this episode. I am so psyched to watch this with you. So until then, (laughs) our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm-hmm.